You're listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. My name is Brian Jones. Um, I, I heard you guys were expecting to do a dating series tonight, and I'm really sorry we're not talking about dating, but I promise you, as soon as Brandon gets over the flu... You're going to rock that dating. You guys are going to date so good. You're going <laughs> to, it's going to be awesome. But we're going to start off uh, the message with a game. All right, so we have Caitlin and Andrew, and we're going to play a game called You Laugh, You Lose. And so Zach and Amanda are going to stand on each side. Wait, sorry. Becca, yeah, sorry. I'm, why did I call you? I know you. I know your name. I know her name. Sorry. Okay, each of these people have a list of dad jokes. And the goal is to not laugh. So whenever someone is telling you a joke, you have to look at them. So you can't be looking at, you have to look at them whenever they're saying the joke. And if you laugh either when you're telling the joke or when they are telling you the joke, you lo- you lo- the other person gets a point. And so they're all, Becca and Zach are going to hold up zero right now. And so are you all ready? All right, on your mark, get set, go. We're going to five. Hmm. Right. What's the most crunk place to go to the bathroom? The little John. Oh. Did she laugh? I can't laugh. You can't laugh. Okay, so one point. Well, no, no, sorry. So, no, no, he gets a point. He gets a point. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't matter who's saying the joke. No problem. Sorry, go ahead. What's brown and sticky? A stick. <laughs> he gets another one. This may be over quick. Don't laugh, Caitlin. If he gets a five, you lose. Okay. What kind of headaches do farmers get? My grains. He's staying strong. What do you call a pile of kittens? A meowntin. <laughs> okay, how many does she have? Three? Okay, three. Here we go. Make him laugh, Caitlin. I'm sorry, I gave him the better jokes. Okay, we'll give her a point. We'll give her a point. Oh, what? Sure. Oh, golly. Okay. All right. Uh. Okay, okay, okay. What did the car say to its tires? Thanks for keeping it wheel. Man, stone cold. Oh, that's got to be a point. <laughs> Tell y'all a joke. Um, what's a pirate's favorite letter? You think it's R, but it'd be the C. Not that 
that funny. Oh, okay. Wow, look at that. She's stone cold now. Oh, and she got. I. <laughs> she left. How do you make holy water? You boil the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Okay, la- this is probably going to be the last one. He's thinking hard. What does a dinosaur use to pay bills? Tyrannosaurus chicks. <laughs> Respect. She did good. She did good. Hey, can we give these two a hand, please? Caitlin and Andrew, thank you guys so much. Good job. Good job. Andrew, good job, man. <laughs> this is perfect. Thank you so much. We're going to have pictures later. Um, so, yeah, my name is Brian Jones. I'm one of the pastors at Southcrest. It is an honor to be with you guys. Um, and did you notice this game doesn't have any, like, prize or anything? But did you notice how they were like, no, 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 I didn't laugh. It wasn't a point. It wasn't a point. Did you, did you see that? And I feel like I should go ahead and use this opportunity to let you know I have a problem because I really like to keep score probably too much. Is anybody with me? Is there anybody out there who maybe is a little bit too competitive just on certain things? You know, not everything, but like, man, I want to win. I want to win. And maybe, maybe like there's some things that you feel like that about and some things that you don't. But um, we keep score um, in life, don't we? Like, I think everywhere we turn, we're comparing, aren't we? We're we never just think about, you know, where we are. But um, so think about like this way. I, li- I like to talk about in like major uh, or not, in the NBA, who's the GOAT? Um, does anybody think that the GOAT, do you, know, do you know what I mean? Some of y'all are out there like, why is he talking about a GOAT? Not like a literal GOAT. Does anybody know what I'm, what, what's a GOAT? Somebody tell me. Greatest of all time. So does anyone believe that the GOAT is still playing basketball right now? Anybody? Who, who do you think it is? Dirk? Wow. LeBron James? Man, LeBron James is a good basketball player. I don't know if he's the GOAT or not. Um, I got to grow up watching Michael Jordan, who I believe is the GOAT. Does anybody else think that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time? I mean, he's pretty incredible. What about anybody think Kobe Bryant is the best basketball player of all time? Kobe Bryant? No? Nobody. So... I did a little research, and I found out Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James, um, I think they have respect for each other, but none of those guys are friends. Like, they um, will, like, give each other respect, but they also kind of throw shade at each other because there's something about competition that is unhealthy when it comes to relationships. You see, competition is great, right? It breeds greatness. Competition is why... Um, there's a guy who broke 300 world records. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Competition is why there's a LeBron James. Um, but there's something about competition um, between friends. And what it does is it creates distance in the relationship. You know this um, if you have like a roommate. If you like keep score with your roommate, like, okay, I did this and I did this and I did this and you're not doing this and this and this and this. And sometimes that can bring a little bit of separation in your relationship, can it? Or like with a sibling, anybody ever kind of get competitive, like a sibling rivalry type thing? 
I know like with my wife, Amy, she's right there. Hey, Amy. Um, we, we try not to keep score because it's not healthy. <laughs> if she's thinking, hey, I'm watching the kids all day. I'm doing the dishes and I'm taking care of this. I'm making dinner for you. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? How, how well do you think that's going to go? And so I think keeping score sometimes competition can create relational distance and can hurt relationships. Um, I think that's why we have the word frenemies. Y'all have any frenemies? I think it's kind of a funny word. Um, I, I wonder if you ever keep score or compete or rank yourself. Anybody else like that? Like that with me? Like um, sometimes I'm feeling like I'm doing good. I feel like I'm making the right decisions. I'm getting, being disciplined. I'm uh, growing. Um, I start to really think I've got it, right? But then um, sometimes you think, well, man, I made a mistake, or man, I wish this was different about me, or I see a weakness in my life, or I see a, a, a bad decision that I've made. Um, and I kind of think, I'm going to draw a little picture for us. I might need to scoot this up. Can you all see this? So it's kind of like here's zero, right? And when we try to make good decisions and um, maybe uh, start to feel like you're, you're going in the right direction, you feel good about yourself. But then sometimes, most of us don't live up here all the time. We live up here sometimes, but sometimes maybe you make a mistake or you start going downhill or, man, um, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a little maybe depressed, um, not feeling great about my situation, my circumstances, um, we go down here too. And uh, I think sometimes we have a lot of ups and downs in our life when it comes to um, trying to really rate how you're doing, right? Um, and I think when you do this, it kind of creates two extremes, and neither one of them is healthy because this one creates pride. I don't know if you can actually read that. If you start going up and start thinking, I'm self righteous. I, I've got it all together. This one turns into pride. How about that? That's cool. And then it, when you start going down, what happens? You feel two things, I think, primarily. You feel guilt and you feel shame. I don't think we want to feel any of those things, right? So we kind of try to balance. We do a balancing act where we're like, okay, so maybe I... I don't want to get too prideful, but I don't want to feel too bad about myself because I don't want to get filled up with guilt and shame. And what pride does is it leads to isolation, kind of like the way that competition hurts relationships, right? Um, it, God opposes the proud. Uh, we read that um, the self-righteous are blind to their own mistakes. Um, but guilt, if you go down, guilt leads to fear, fear that you'll be found out for the things that you've done wrong, fear that you'll be rejected, someone will pay you back that God will judge you. Um, guilt and shame, I can kind of feel like, a, it can feel like you're trapped, almost like a, a prison cell. So what do you do? How do you manage the tension of the ups and the downs in this kind of, in this kind of competition with yourself? Um, how do you manage that? And I'm so glad you asked because Jesus um, talked about it a lot, I think. And we're gonna read a story that he tells about competition. And um, I, I love the story. It's in a, a book called Luke, which Luke was an eye. He, he collected eyewitness accounts. 
he says he thoroughly investigated all the accounts that were made of Jesus, and he made his own eyewitness account. So what we're reading is investigated eyewitness accounts, and we're going to be in chapter 7 of Luke, and so there's six chapters before the story we're reading, and up until this point, Jesus has really had a pretty cool track record. Um, his mom was a virgin. Um, he, he started, like, doing crazy things like driving demons out of people. He uh, healed people that were sick. And uh, just a few chapters before this, he raised a girl from the dead. Um, so needless to say, he's kind of starting to get traction with people. He's starting to get followers. He called his disciples. And um, so this is where we are, Luke chapter 7. Um, and the, the primary person Jesus is talking to, well, there's two primary people, but the first one is a Pharisee. And if you talk about people who want to do good, people who want to live up here, this is where the Pharisees eat. This is where they live. They want to do every single thing possible, right? And they pride themselves on this, right? So um, there were 613 laws that Pharisees had to keep, um, 365 negative commands, 248 positive laws. In other words, what we would say do's and don'ts. And uh, so they were pretty competitive about it. And uh, from what you can read in these stories, I don't think they had many good friends. Um, so this Pharisee comes uh, and invites Jesus to his house. Let's just start reading in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. It says this, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table when, he, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town, we don't even know what she did. We just know they all knew it was wrong. It was a sinful life. She was living down here, right? The competition was not staying up high in her life. She lived a sinful life in that town. She learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she wiped them up with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, this woman was not invited to the party. Um, but she comes in pretty audaciously and brings her own perfume. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever, like, smelled a bottle of perfume. One time my, my wife dropped a bottle of perfume, and it shattered, and it was so strong she actually had to get stitches that day. It was terrible. But um, so it was definitely smelling up the house, and it was hard not to notice this, right? This woman crying, cleaning Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. It says, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, he didn't even say it out loud, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. But she's a sinner. She lives down here. He's, he's comparing himself, right? It's not just, we don't just compare ourselves, we compare each other. She lives down there. So Jesus looks to that guy and he says, Simon, which the name Simon means listen. And so he's saying, listen, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he says. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and another 50. Now in our terms, this is $80,000 and $8,000. So basically like a year and a half of pay and then like maybe two months of pay. Um, so both significant debts, but one of them is 10 times enough, right? 
So neither one of them had the money to pay back. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever owed a debt you could not pay back? I've felt that way before. Um, it's a pretty hopeless place to be, and neither one of them could pay it back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one that had the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then, notice what it says here, he turned to the woman and, and spoke to Simon. So he's, he's looking at the woman, but he's speaking to Simon. He says this, do you see this woman? I came into your house. He was looking, Jesus was looking right into her eyes. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins have been forgiven. She loved much. Her many sins have been forgiven, so she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And so I think maybe one of the things that we could put on this is all this is below Jesus. If Jesus is the standard, all of this is, is, is basically debt, right? We all owe. But something really cool happens when she comes to the feet of Jesus. She gets forgiven and she gets filled with this love that is kind of messy in the way she, she pours it out to him, right? It's like she's been set free. It's like she's been given her life back. Um, I can imagine some people who may have felt this way were some of the freed slaves in the, in the um, Civil War. On, on January 1st, 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, which declared that all persons held as slaves are and henceforth shall be free. After that, every advance of federal troops expanded the domain of freedom. Did you hear that? Expanded the domain of freedom. And so when Jesus comes and he invites you, it, it's, it's, like, it's almost like this doesn't exist anymore because what he did was he showed us his love. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And so no matter whether you struggle with pride or whether you struggle with guilt or with shame, self-righteousness, everything, no matter where you are on this scale, the love of Jesus covers it. But the thing is, you have to come just like the lady did. You have to come to the feet of Jesus in order to find the forgiveness. You can't come like the Pharisee with your arms crossed saying, all right, Jesus, let's see what you got. I'll answer your questions. Because that guy, he, he sinned little, but maybe he thinks he sinned little, but his sins aren't forgiven. You come to the feet of Jesus and you find freedom. The debt that we owed was paid and it was absorbed. And it didn't just get forgiven, it actually got paid by Jesus on the cross. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is that you and I deserve to die. We deserve, we never could pay the debt that we owed, but Jesus came and died our death on the cross. And so when we come to the feet of Jesus, 
This is how we deal with our ups and our downs as we say, okay, we're going all the way down. We're gonna, we're gonna hit rock bottom on purpose and say, I need a savior. Tim Keller says this, the only prerequisite for receiving the grace of God is knowing that you need it. And so I hope tonight maybe you're starting to come to this realization and it's something that you have to do over and over again. You can't come to the feet of Jesus and then just forget it. You gotta keep coming to the feet of Jesus and that's where you'll find, it's so cool because when you once struggle with pride and maybe self-righteousness, guilt and shame, there's love. There's this amazing love. That's what, that's what she poured out, this woman that was at his feet, she poured out this love and there's grace favor that you and I just don't deserve. There's forgiveness. Man, forgiveness is powerful. Um, And there's acceptance. You know, where we once would try to find acceptance through maybe trying to do good things so that people will accept us, you lose that. You live with this feeling that, man, Jesus accepts me as I am. If you realize that, it's going to change your life tonight. And what's really cool, after the Emancipation Proclamation, something really cool happened. The proclamation announced that acceptance of black men into the Union Army and Navy, enabling the liberated to become liberators. By the end of the war, almost 200,000 black soldiers and sailors had fought for the Union and freedom as free men on their own decision. And so what happens is, rather than looking at other people and seeing their pride, seeing their guilt, seeing their shame, you look out and you're radiating this love of Jesus and you see them and you're able to offer these things to them. You're able to offer them the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the acceptance of God, the love of God. It's like if we're going to battle, the enemy is not the person that you think the enemy is. There is no person who is the enemy. And the weapons that we have are these things, grace, love, forgiveness, acceptance, because we get to offer them to people. Because once you've experienced the love, the acceptance, the forgiveness, the grace of Jesus, you can't help but offer it to other people. And that's how you change the people in your life, your world. Um, I want to especially think about forgiveness for a second. Um, If you're harboring unforgiveness, it is not hurting just the person that you're not willing to forgive. It's actually hurting you because you're holding on to it and you're not letting the love of Jesus radiate out of you. And so when you let go of that and you choose to forgive, it is like a spiritual weapon. Um, Nelson Mandela, one of the leaders of South African apartheid, he said, or after apartheid said, forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. That's why it is such a powerful weapon. These things that we think are just, you know, what we get to experience because of the love of Jesus, we get to offer them to other people. And I hope maybe you'll catch some of this vision. I want to talk specifically to you where you're at right now. Um, Maybe you're still seeing yourself um, on this line somewhere. Maybe you're struggling with pride and self-righteousness, or maybe uh, you're down in the dumps and you're feeling guilt and you're feeling shame and you're feeling the weight of that. Um, Because no matter where you are on the scale, it's weighty. It's pressure. And I want you to know there's a decision you can make to just follow Jesus that takes the weight off because he actually wanted to carry all the weight of sin on the cross, and he did. 
And so if you choose to trust Jesus, you choose to start following him tonight, your life will change. Um, I also want to talk to you, maybe if you're feeling distant from someone you love, um, I want you to maybe pray about how you can offer them these things instead of seeing what's, what maybe their struggle is, seeing them through the eyes of, um, of Jesus. I hope this makes sense. Um, bottom line is this. Come to the feet of Jesus. Humbly bow before him. And I know that maybe sounds abstract, but it's really practical. Coming to the feet of Jesus just means when I pray, I don't just say, okay, God, please bless my day today. It's saying, okay, God, I'm going to bow my will. Just like Jesus did. He did this before he went to the cross. He said, not my will, but your will be done. So when you come to the feet of Jesus, you're praying not for what you want, but for what he wants in your life. And you're believing the gospel. And you are telling yourself the gospel. I am not good enough. These things that maybe make me feel the guilt and shame, the truth of them might be, you, you are not good enough on your own, but because of Jesus, because of what he paid for you, you don't have to struggle with that guilt and that shame because you're worth what you paid for. And the son of God, it was what, who, his life was paid for you. Um, so when you come to Jesus, it means when you read your Bible, you're not reading it thinking, okay, let me get something for my day today. You're reading the Bible saying, God, I want my life to become more like you. I want to lay my life down. I'm coming to your feet. I want to become more like you. You read the Bible and you ask, okay, what does this say about God? What does this say about me? How can it make me more like you? I hope maybe that's helpful tonight. I hope maybe, maybe you feel like you have something that you can hold on to this week. Because the truth is, if you will start coming to the feet of Jesus regularly in your prayer life, in your relationships, it's going to change things. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, that your gospel is true, that we don't deserve it, but you have lived the perfect, sinless life and died the death on the cross to cover everything from our pride and our self-righteousness all the way down to our guilt and our shame, our sin. Um, pray right now, Lord, for the, those who have maybe started to feel the weight of that sin um, no matter where it is on the scale, I pray that they would have the courage to come to you. And I pray for maybe those who have felt distance from the people that they love, Lord, that they would start living and looking through the lenses of your love and forgiveness and grace and acceptance, and that those would be weapons in our hands against the enemy to fight and to advance the kingdom of heaven on earth. Thank you so much for every, every single person here, Lord. I pray you bless them, Lord, and that your truth and your word would continue to permeate our hearts and change us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.